We thank the Lord for this opportunity to meet here. Before we begin, let's have a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for gathering us here. Lord, may you give us rest in our soul. And we might quiet ourselves before your feet. Lord, speak to our hearts. In this matter of service, we need you to open us up. And we need revelation that we might be able to work towards that goal. And we need a light unto our feet. That we might know how to serve you on earth today. Lord, may you be with us. We give you this short amount of time. Lord, we ask that you would hear our prayer. We pray this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, Yesterday we shared on how service is done for the entrustment of God. In service, if we can hold fast to that entrustment, we mentioned that there are three most basic requirements. First, we need to know what the entrustment of God is. And secondly, we need to accurately work towards that entrustment. And thirdly, we need to be faithful towards the entrustment. And for one who serves the Lord, this is a most basic requirement. For us to become a person who serves. We see many examples in the Bible of service. We see in 2 Timothy, we see some basic requirements mentioned here. For one who serves the Lord, the Lord pays close attention to that person's spirit. This is what we shared on yesterday. This afternoon, we want to see 
how we can be a vessel used by God from 2 Timothy chapter 2. One who serves God is a vessel for God. Uh, please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we'll read a few verses together. First off, we'll read verses 20 and 21. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And then chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And also verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Handling accurately the word of we see in Acts chapter 9 when he was first called by the Lord. The Lord told Ananias, He spoke to Ananias saying, He is my chosen vessel. We see that Paul was chosen as a vessel. 
So Paul understood that one who serves God is a vessel. And so in chapter 2, it speaks of this matter of being a vessel. We know that as a vessel, one characteristic is that it has to be useful. In our lives, we have many vessels. And with these vessels, we can do things easier. So something that is created to be a vessel ought to be useful to man. Of course, in God's household, it is not man using this vessel, but it is God using us. After we are saved, we ought to be a vessel used by God. So one who truly serves the Lord um, is someone who is used by God. So Paul encourages Timothy to be an, a vessel of honor. So what is an honored vessel? So we know that to be a vessel of honor or dishonor, it has nothing to do with the vessel itself. It has to do with the person using the vessel. So this is a very important idea. And I'll give you an example. Uh, once I was in Taipei and I went to the Imperial Palace Museum. And on display were things that the emperors of old used. And in one display case, I saw a small bowl. Oh, it was it's a piece of china. And I thought, this, there's nothing special about this bowl. And this bowl is no better than the bowls in my household. But then I saw the little inscription beneath the bowl. This bowl was used. It was used by an emperor in the Qin Dynasty. This bowl was used by the emperor. So it is a vessel of honor. And there was a solid glass display case to protect that bowl. And there was um, a security guard watching over it. And I fully believe that if you threw this bowl on the streets of Taipei, no one would pick it up. But because it was used by the emperor, 
This vessel, whether it was honorable or dishonorable, it didn't matter before. The the honor comes from who uses it. Today, brothers and sisters, God wants to use us. The God who created this universe. If God wants to use you, then indeed you are honorable. Even though we're but a vessel. Brothers and sisters, whether it is a vessel of honor or dishonor, it has to do with the person using it. And whether this vessel has power has nothing to do with um, the vessel itself. Again, it has to do with whether the person Possessing the vessel has power. Our God is the Almighty God. So He can use any vessel. And when He uses it, it comes with power. And when you read the judges, you'll find interesting stories. When we read these interesting stories in the book of Judges, these stories aren't just there to interest us. For example, there was a judge whose name was Shamgar who took up an ox goad and destroyed 600 Philistines. This was but a, but a rod. It wasn't even a weapon. But in the hands of Shamgar, then it is more powerful than any weapon. Again, it has to do with who is using the vessel. If Shamgar's rod was placed in my hands, no Philistine would die. It has to do with the person using it. And also Samson. He used um, the bone of the jawbone. Of a, of an and with this uh, jawbone, he killed 1,000 Philistines. If we picked up this jawbone, it would be useless. So the power behind a vessel has nothing to do with the vessel itself. And so this is a, a very important concept when it comes to service. Whether someone is is honorable or dishonorable has nothing to do with the person. Sometimes we really exalt some of these 
heroes in church history. And we think perhaps inherent in this person is something valuable. We see how devoted they are, how spiritual they are. Later I'll explain this. But honor isn't inherent in the person. Honor comes from the fact that they are a chosen vessel in God's hands. We see some who serve the Lord with great power. But where does that power come from? It's not their natural strength. It's not because they have great gifts. And it's not because they're a strong person. It's because the Almighty God sustains them. So we have to understand in service today uh, the principles behind, uh, behind honor. And we, for example, look at Dwight Moody, the great evangelist who brought tens of thousands on both sides of the Atlantic to the Lord. We pay attention to Moody, but we forget who is the person using Moody. So, brothers and sisters, we thank the Lord. Today we are weak. We are nothing. And you don't need to compare yourselves to the great heroes of church history. The only thing we need to pay attention to is can God use you? We ought to desire to be a vessel used by God. And whether the work is great or small, has, doesn't matter. If God uses you, then you are honorable. Again, the bowl is nothing, but because it was used by the emperor, then it is a vessel of honor. And this bowl can't even do much. But because the emperor used it, it is something valuable. So, us before the Lord, if we're used by the Lord, then we are a vessel of honor. If the Lord uses us, then we will have strength. So as a vessel, we need to understand two important principles. And you look at verse 20 and you'll say, well, in the great house there are vessels of gold, silver, wood, and earthenware. I think most of us, when we read uh, this verse, we feel humble. We say, Lord, I am that vessel of wood or earth. I've never heard anyone pray, Lord, 
Thank you for making me a gold or silver vessel. But the Lord wants gold and silver vessels. So don't you say you 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 would say that isn't this gold or silver inherent in the vessel? There are two requirements Paul speaks of if you want to become a gold or silver vessel. Uh, first, if you can cleanse yourself. If you can live a life of holiness, this will allow the vessel to become valuable. And then to set aside the things of dishonor. And this means a separated life. And so this this vessel has to do with um, how we uh, live our lives. So our pursuit of the Lord is a measurement of how how much honor we have as a vessel. But we have to understand that the gold and the silver represent the character and nature of our Lord. It's not our natural uh, character. And so for someone who pursues after the Lord more and separates himself to be holy unto the Lord, he can abstain from the things of dishonor. And in this person, the character and nature of Christ will be made more manifest. And then you feel like that person is is valuable like gold. And on another person, what is manifest is like silver. And of course, the gold and the silver have their own spiritual significance, but we won't go into that. Paul encourages us to pursue after the Lord. Of course, the more of Christ we manifest in our lives, the more of abundant His life is in us, then God will delight to use you. And then when you are useful to the Lord, then you are indeed a vessel of honor. And if you are used by the Lord, then naturally there will be a power and so we see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul encourages Timothy to be a vessel of honor, to be used by God. One who serves the Lord is someone who is used by the Lord. So we thank the Lord that in 2 Timothy, Paul gives us good exhortation. 
我们希望我们所有的弟兄姊妹，我们蒙恩得救主，我们里面都有一个羡慕，能够被神用一下。I hope that all of us who are saved have this desire to be useful to the Lord。我在说用的大，用的小都无无无没有关系。Whether we're used in a great way or a small way, it doesn't matter。你你你们记得吗？我们诗歌中有一首诗歌，嗯，据据说是一个年轻的一个弟兄写的。uh, in our hymnal, there is a hymn that is written by a young brother. Um, I, I desire to love you more. I don't have time to tell you the story behind that hymn. But I remember that young brother was 29 when he wrote it. And then he passed away. But we thank the Lord. Uh, the Lord, in his whole life, um, allowed him to write but this one song. But that was enough. This small hymn has brought much blessing to, to many people in the church, far more than other people have been striving for the Lord. So we don't need to have a desire, Lord, use me to, to preach the gospel to thousands. Um, we don't need that kind of a thought. Because then you only put pressure on yourself. Simple. We only need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be useful to you, even if it's in a small matter. Lord, I just want to be um, a small bowl. Just use me for a little bit. And perhaps that bowl that the emperor used, he may have only used it once. He probably didn't use it every day. And then there were some gold bowls too. And he also used the vessel of gold. Doesn't matter. If you're used by God for just a moment, that's enough. May the Lord place this important concept into each and every one of us. Perhaps in this lifetime we help only one person, but if the Lord used you, that's enough. May we all have this desire to be used by God. Because this is His desire. Brothers and sisters, God has given His testimony to the church. We have to be those who serve. We need to rise up and be useful to God. Then God can entrust His testimony to these people. And then in Second Timothy, he continues to say, How does God use us as a vessel? Uh, it's very interesting. In this chapter, he mentions several different kinds of people. And 
It's to say that God wants to use us as a vessel like this person. Uh, says in verse 3 and 4 how God wants to use us as a vessel like a good soldier. I think we're all familiar with these verses. God wants to use this vessel like he would a good soldier. Uh, there's a very simple requirement for this soldier. As a soldier, you live a very simple life. Previously, when I was in the army, uh, when I came to report, first thing is they took away all my civilian clothing. Doesn't matter what kind of name brand clothing you were wearing, they removed it. And then they gave you this uh, soldier's outfit. Prior to the uniform, we could tell who came from a wealthy family or a poor family, but once everyone put on their uniform, everyone was the same. Everyone ate the same way, slept the same way. We lived a simple life. And I remember lying in bed that first night thinking the food at home was much better. But two, after two months of boot camp, the dishes that mom cooked are long forgotten. And in the army, soldiers are trained in this way. And so Paul understands and he says, don't let the affairs of daily life entangle you. And I'll tell you something interesting. Um, in the army unit I was in, there were um, several uh, People from Hong Kong. Uh, in the morning, people in Hong Kong get up and they have uh, rice porridge. And they, they like to have their, their kanji in the morning. The first morning when they woke up and they saw they had this bread to eat and not what they're used to, uh, they began to cry. And they couldn't eat what they were served and they thought of home. But after two months of this, one one of my classmates, um, he was he became used to eating this bread and he would eat eight pieces. And he could never be filled. And so you see how the life is changed. So as a soldier, you can't be entangled by the things of this world. Wherever the Lord sends, you go. 
So for one who serves the Lord, if you desire to be a vessel useful to him, you have to be like this good soldier. One other example. One time I visited West Point. And this is America's top military academy. And as I entered into West Point, they had this, this plaque that said, Country, Honor, Responsibility. And as a soldier, you have to have this most basic training. You have devoted your life entirely to your country. Your life belongs to your country. Today, as we serve the Lord, we ought to have the same attitude. It's not those who are serving the Lord full time. It is every one of us. We live on earth for the kingdom of God. We live for God's glory. For the entrustment given to us. So if the Lord wants to use you and you say, well, I have all these things going on, or we have these things going on at work, then God cannot use us. You cannot be a useful vessel in the Lord's hands. So when we serve the Lord, we have to look at God's God's entrustment has to take precedence over all things. And this is what constitutes a good soldier. Secondly, um, we're given this example in verse 5 of an athlete or a competitor. As a competitor, we have to compete according to the rules. I think this is very clear to us. Because, for example, the Olympics are coming up. People have trained their whole lives, and if they, if they have a false start, then... The medal is gone. No matter how many gifts you have, no matter how talented you are, if you don't compete according to the rules, you're done. So in service today, it's the same principle. We don't, we can't think that on on the Lord's um, field we can compete however we want. Uh, forgive me for saying there are a lot of people that are running um, and not according to the rules. There are many who are competing and not according to the rules. And if you um, compete in such a way, one day when we face the Lord, not only will we lose our reward, but he'll and so, in service, there are principles we have to hold fast to. Uh, 
Jesse Penn Lewis wrote. She wrote an important uh, principle. She talked about uh, life and death, and she said, only a correct death leads to a living testimony. We know the principle of dying with Christ uh, is very important. But our sister uh, noted that there are some that are dying incorrectly. Um, a few weeks ago, I was sharing with some young people in Hong Kong. Um, I talked about how to uh, advance in our spiritual walk. And I told them, the quicker you die, the quicker you will advance. But our sister Penn Lewis writes, we have to have a correct death. So in spiritual matters, there is a spiritual principle. So in service, it is not your gifts that matter. It's whether you can uh, hold fast oh, to God's rules. And this is most important. A lot of times we pay too much attention to man's talents and gifts. But these people aren't even competing according to the rules. This is not a vessel of God. Uh, the third point. In verse 6, the hardworking farmer. God wants to use a vessel, and it is depicted as a farmer. We know the farmers of uh, the first century were, were very hardworking. It was a very tough life, and to have a little bit of produce, the farmer had to invest much energy into that. So we were taught um, as a young person, to really cherish every grain of rice because it was produced with much effort. There's a Chinese novel that speaks of how hard it is to get one grain of rice. And you, and it, speaks of how we have to be grateful to the farmers. But we know that in today's generation, there is something that is very dangerous. Because this generation seeks after instant results and gratification. If you want to do things this way, then God cannot use you. God wants to use that hardworking 
farmer. When we read the Bible, we read diligently. You can't read a bunch of random books and feel like you have a bunch of wisdom. We have to diligently learn our lessons. And not fear any difficulties. Because without learning our lessons, there is no result. Without diligence, we don't have food on the table. So the Lord says, as a vessel, we ought to be like this diligent farmer. Uh, the fourth. Verse 15, the workman without shame. How do we be a workman that is without shame? Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. God has to approve us. Then we are of value. Today we seek man's praise. We want man to praise us. Brothers and sisters, we have to be careful. When we do work for God, can we be approved by God? And then this is something that is um, of good quality. So what does this workman without shame uh, do? He handles accurately the word of truth. Brothers and sisters, the word of God is open to us. There is a path. And so how do we open up the word of God today? Through the revelation by the Holy Spirit, do we explain God's word? It's not the result of our own wisdom. But we know that today, what is prevalent is man's wisdom entering into the church. We see so many books on how to solve problems in, in the home and in church. Man's wisdom. God cannot use. So true light comes from revelation by the Holy Spirit. So our, pre, our brothers have told us um, a good principle. Only the Holy Spirit can open up to us God's Word. Can release the fullness in Christ Jesus. This is a very important principle. Allow the Holy Spirit to open up the Word of God in you. The Holy Spirit is the is the best commentary. Is the, is, is the only teacher 
of the Bible. We think there are great commentaries in the past, but these are people that were used by the Holy Spirit. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, no one can explain the Bible. So accurately handle the word of truth. Um, actually, in the original text, when it talks about this workman, it talks about um, a stone worker or a mason. We know that in Palestine, when they build homes, it's all made of stone. Especially the temple built by large stones. Of course, when these rocks, these stones are dug out of the mountainside, perhaps the form was not correct. Then the stone worker will chisel away. And they have to look at the patterns in, in the stone. And when they cut, they have to cut properly, cut precisely. And that way this stone can be a perfect square and useful. It's like um, those that carve diamonds in a jewelry store. And an experienced gem cutter will be able to look at the, the fine details of that stone. Because if you cut imprecisely, then the value of that stone is lost. So we have to be accommodating to the work of the Holy Spirit. When we read the Word of God, we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The way he reveals the Bible to us. And in this way, the light of the word can be manifested. We often mention T. Austin Sparks. Um, he, has, he had this saying that helps us to uh, describe the ah, Bible study. When we read the Bible, we have to read the meaning of Christ. And what is the meaning of Christ? We see that the spiritual principles are revealed. And these principles are what he means by the meaning of Christ. 
Um, I remember when I graduated from high school. Uh, we attended a summer conference. And when a, a preacher preached, he used Sparks' word and said, when we read, we have to read out the meaning of Christ. But then he didn't describe it. Then we returned to our dorm room. Um, I went to ask him. And so I asked him, Brother, how do I read out the meaning of Christ from the Bible? And he took a look at me. He said, Ah, you're too young. So I thought, oh, okay, I'm too young, I can't understand it. <laughs> but then I walked out thinking, maybe he doesn't know either. And, and then I finally read Sparks' book, and then I saw that the spiritual principles that are gained, that is the meaning of Christ. Um, anyone can explain the, the Bible, but can you explain it accurately? This is important. Otherwise, you're preaching for years, and then you come before the Lord, and the Lord said, you've been talking nonsense, and then you receive shame. <laughs> nonsense, <laughs> so we have to be the, the workman without shame. It's not that you can't explain the word of God. We have to handle accurately the word of truth and we have to do it with the right attitude. And this is very important. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a a uh, very dangerous time. There are too many people trying to explain God's word. And myself included. And I think it's a very frightful thing. Uh, may the Lord have mercy. Uh, the last point. In verse 24, it speaks of being the Lord's bondservant. What is the use of a bondservant? It's to win back those that are taken captive by Satan. We know that this was one of the important works of our Lord Jesus. So to be a vessel useful to the Lord. The Lord wants us to be a bondservant of His to win back souls for Him. There are several requirements here mentioned in verse 24. The first, to not be quarrelsome. Means you can't argue with a person to win them back. Oftentimes we use reason, and then you just, that leads to arguments. And this, uh, oh, so, so don't quarrel. And it says, be kind to all, use gentleness. 
This gentle character is a character of our Lord. And also mentions able to teach. Uh, patience. Verse 25, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. In church service, this is a very important item. So Paul in Second Timothy tells us if we want to be a useful vessel in God's hands, this vessel has these purposes. He wants to use this vessel like he would a good soldier. Like an athlete or competitor. Like a diligent farmer. Like a workman without shame. And the Lord wants to use this vessel like he does a bondservant of the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, one who desires to serve the Lord should be a vessel in the hands of the Lord. If we can use, be used by the Lord in such a way, then he can place his entrustment in the church. Because we mentioned this, that service is for the entrustment of God. And this is a very important thing. And I want to save some time for brothers and sisters to share their life experiences. Uh, my, t- my sharing will end here. I'll share briefly on what I've learned from this chapter. This chapter speaks of how we have to abstain from the dishonorable things. I think to me, this dishonor speaks of Man doing things man's way. If we do things God's way, that is honorable. There was um, a time, a period of time in, in our church where uh, a new couple came. Um, in our in our meeting, in our fellowship, we don't advertise. So usually people that come to visit have been introduced by someone. So this couple came into our midst and we all really loved them. Because they, they are very sincere. 
And it seemed like they were someone whom you can entrust something to. And they're very diligent in carrying that thing out. And so we had high hopes for this couple. And we hope that they could serve along with the other brothers and sisters. And there was a period of time where I was um, working uh, out of the country. I was in England. And then I got a phone call. And I was told that this brother wanted to leave the church. And I was curious. And so I called him from England. And I said, you know, when I get back, can we have some fellowship? And so I found an opportunity and sat down with them. And we talked for a long time. And they spoke of two reasons why they were leaving. And the first reason is they don't, our fellowship doesn't emphasize on missions. And they spoke of how other churches um, support missions or send out missionaries and have conferences on such, and we don't do any of that. And then the second thing, they said Christmas is a very important holiday. And we don't have any festivities during Christmas. And so as I was fellowshipping with them, I felt sorrow. And I thought that this was such a good couple. Uh, I thought to myself, has the doors of our church narrowed to a point where we can't hold on to them? Can we enlarge our doors just a little bit? That we can allow people like this to stay. But as I began to pray before the Lord, He showed me that our doors were not narrow. The width of our door should not be determined by man. And after I shared with them till really late, then we decided we ought to give them our blessing as they leave our church. And we had a wonderful time of prayer. 
And they really didn't want to leave. But they could not look past these two points. And we couldn't accommodate them on these two areas. And we gave them our blessing and asked that the Lord would continue to lead them. And that, to me, had a great influence on me. I really felt sad that they were leaving. But the Lord has told us that the way and the door are narrow. And the Holy Spirit convicted me that it wasn't because we were too narrow. And then they left us. We thank the Lord. And many years later, the Lord brought this couple back. And this time we didn't have to, to widen our doors. The Lord opened their hearts a little more. They saw that the path was correct. And then they came back into, the, into um, our church. So I saw that the way we leave things of dishonor is to not follow the plan of man. Today we have many methods where we can appease man or widen our doors. Uh, we have this idea that we can turn the five loaves and two fish into five thousand loaves and two thousand fish. But the emphasis should not be on the quantity of the loaves or fish, but in whose hands those loaves and fish are in. Because our door is narrower, um, there are, we have a small group. But the focus again is in whose hands are this small group of people in. And I'll end my sharing here. And I'll share two points with you. Our brother Sun has shared on how we have to know the entrustment of the Lord, how to carry out that entrustment, and to do it accurately. We in college, that is a time where we encounter many different Christian groups and activities. But 
But when the, an elder brother placed this burden of uh, the church as Christ's body um, and this entrustment given to me, I feel like this light that was shared to me um, has not become more dim but more bright. Many things can be done by different people. In Christianity today, there is much work and there are a lot of workers. But for those to hold fast faithfully to um, the eternal purpose of God as uh, revealed to the church, um, not too many people can hold fast to this principle. If the Lord has revealed this to you, we do feel like the door is narrow, like our brother said. But we can't widen it. Because this is the entrustment that God has given to the church. And the more we walk on this path, the more we find that it is correct. The second point I want to share. Uh, Brother Sun shared how we need to be uh, soldiers in the Lord's army. Some of you know Brother Sun is the son of a general. And so, uh, but for me, I've never been a soldier a single day in my life. Uh, and so I've never had to undergo this kind of discipline. Uh, I remember one time I was at a meeting place in China. Uh, one evening I was to share my testimony. And then the following night, this elder brother was to share, and he had been imprisoned over 20 times and had many near-death experiences and suffered for the Lord. And if you compare my testimony to his, it was like my life was, was a heavenly one. And the two of us were sitting there, and a sister came up and asked us a question. <laughs> the sister was like, how come your testimonies are so different? And of course, I was speechless. But the elder brother said a word. He said, if you are to follow 
in the path of the Lord, then you have to uh, be willing to walk on this path of imprisonment and suffering. Otherwise, you ought to just give up on the give up the Lord. And he actually tried to defend me, saying, you know, he lives in America where things are, are pretty plush, and yet he chooses to serve the Lord. So uh, even though he hasn't suffered like me, he did make that choice. And my point is, today, perhaps we don't need to, to suffer. But if we want to hold fast to his entrustment, we have to willingly be able to carry our cross and follow on that path. Perhaps you don't have to eat stale bread every morning. But you have to be willing to live a simple life for the Lord. That in this this environment of such freedom, that these five principles ought to be manifested in our lives. So may we be faithful to the principles of, that the Lord has given us and that we offer up just a little bit for him. Uh, in Second Timothy chapter two verse five it says No so if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. I think when we read these words we know that the apostle is not telling us that we're competing for a prize. But that we do things in a manner worthy to receive the crown that is given in heaven. Uh, and I thank Brother Sun for reminding us that as an athlete competes according to the rules, we have to serve according to spiritual principles. Um, and these principles are spelled out in chapter 2. And first of all, we as a person have to be right before the Lord. Because he wants to entrust to us um, 
because he wants to entrust to us, um, we have to have a right spirit, a good spirit. And in this way, we can uh, hold fast to that entrustment. And I felt um, uh, um, moved by Second Timothy chapter one verse seven. That God has given us a spirit of power, love, and discipline. Um, oh, when I first started serving, I uh, paid close attention to different methods. And the Lord was merciful to me, an unworthy servant, and some of these methods were useful. But if the Lord did not bring me to a certain point, I would be, still be stuck in these certain methods. But of course, um, when the Lord looks at a servant, he looks at the inner to see if the man is, is right or wrong. Or have we only thought that the Lord has gained a portion of us instead of um, what it says in Second Timothy, how the Lord wants to gain, uh, gain the whole person? Uh, the Lord wants to gain um, someone who has this power and love and discipline. And when I first started serving, I looked at myself, I thought I was strong. And I thought I had love towards the saints. But I am not someone who is, who is disciplined. Uh, 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 and I do things casually. And I didn't realize that a servant of the Lord had to be right within. I felt that that had to do with people's personalities. So, when I reflect back on my life of service, I see, I see how I've hindered the Lord's work. And I can't describe the sorrow that is within. And the Lord arranged the right circumstance for me. 
And I've learned to submit myself before the word of the Lord. So I recognize, I've begun to recognize that this is his desire and his work in my life. The difficulties are indeed great. But I thank the Lord that I have no problems with the Lord's dealings. Because he wants to make me right within. That I can have this new spirit that the Lord has placed within me. That I can do the things that have been entrusted to me. Uh, greetings, brothers and sisters. I thank the Lord for uh, this opportunity, and I am boldly proclaiming uh, His works. Um, in First Timothy chapter one verse five, Paul tells Timothy. In Second Timothy, it says, um, it, it, it speaks of how Timothy's faith comes from his grandmother uh, Lois. And his mother Eunice, and that it is in him as well. I thank the Lord that I'm in a similar boat and it uh, has to do with my grandmother and my mother. Our brother Sun shared how honor and dishonor has to do with the person wielding the vessel and not on the vessel. And power has nothing to do with the vessel itself. And I'll share with you a testimony from my personal life. And I'll never forget this experience. A few years ago, we had um, a gospel meeting at uh, Brother Sunshine Boar's house in Bellevue. And that evening, my husband was to speak. And I was driving. And my children, Daniel, uh, Gloria, and Mary were in the back seat. And after the meeting, when we were driving back, uh, I was driving. 
Because my husband was to share the following morning on Sunday as well. Um, the car we were driving ran pretty well, but it, it didn't look that good. And we took um, Interstate 405 and then I-5. And as I was merging on to I-5, uh, the steering wheel died, and I couldn't turn. And I thought to myself, Lord, this is not acceptable. I have to make it home. But I couldn't get to the right, to the right lane. And I was going 70 miles an hour. There were cars behind me, and my steering wheel died. And I was very nervous, and my husband was sleeping, and my three kids were sleeping. I thought to myself, um, with God, all things are possible. So I prayed to the Lord. <laughs> my steering wheel won't turn, but Lord, you can turn my tires. And so, um, so I had about four miles to go on the highway. And I told the Lord, I was still driving, and I told the Lord, um, Lord, I need to exit now. Can you turn my tires? And miraculously, the car exited. And the road, the road we were to drive on uh, wound like a snake. And I asked the Lord, Lord, can you take us down this path? And, and and my steering wheel was still locked, but the car just went down the path. And then there was a red light. I said, Lord, I came to the stop and, and I told the Lord, Lord, I need to make a left turn now. And when the light turned green, the car turned left. And then after I passed the gas station, I needed to turn right. And at the intersection, I needed to turn left. And um, we came to our house, 
and I had a parking spot by the garden. And miraculously, with the steering wheel locked, um, I made it all the way from Bellevue to, to my parking spot by the garden. And I told my husband, um, wake up, we're home, and oh yeah, the car has died. He said, if the car is dead, how do we get home? And I said, I don't know, the Lord drove me home. And I lay there and I, that night and I thanked the Lord. I still have no idea how this car came home. And when I woke up that morning, I was like, I got to go try that car again. And then I tried it, and now I couldn't even go forward or reverse. And my husband didn't believe me. He said, how could this be? And he tried it and couldn't go forward or reverse. And so um, I, eventually we had the car towed away. So this has to do with what Brother Sun shared. Whether, whether there's power or no power doesn't have anything to do with the vessel. Even though I'm pretty strong, there's no way I could have moved that locked steering wheel and steered the car home. And it, it was the work of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. I am such a weak person. But through this experience, I was able to experience our Lord as the Almighty and true and living. And I give him the thanksgiving and praise. Um, we are out of time again. I remember a story of F.B. Meyer and T. Austin Sparks meeting at a conference. And they were chatting outside the meeting hall. And the time came. So F.B. Meyer told T. Austin Sparks, well, well, arrange a time up in heaven and speak for 300 years. Yeah, 不过他们现在已经都到主那里去，我们相信他们正在交通。<laughs> <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> we know that they're up there right now, and they're probably having fellowship. So, We'll have eternity to share them. We thank the Lord for being with us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we're full of thanksgiving. Lord, we received much grace from you. A corrupt sinner like us. Completely useless. But Lord, you love us. And you've picked us up out of the ash heap. And you've caused us to be a useful vessel in your hands. Lord, you will use every person here. Lord, today we want to say, here I am, Lord, use me. May your entrustment come upon uh, this group of people. Lord, may you use us weak people to glorify your name. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Lord, help us to hold fast. That we don't waste our years and waste your time. Lord, we thank you for your presence this afternoon. Lord, may you continue to keep us. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We'll end our session here.